फ्यूचर In season two, uh, we have tweaked the format uh, a little bit based on the feedback that we received. So, what we are going to do in season two is we are going to uh, pick up a topic and treat it as a theme of the month. Uh, as a theme of the month, uh, we'll have about three to four episodes dedicated to a particular theme. The aim was that, uh, in a way, we'll do a justice to a topic uh, in a structured manner. and uh, hopefully we also are planning to get you know in the fourth episode in every theme a relevant guest right so it uh, the the whole idea is to make it uh, contextual make it structured and make it uh, more relevant uh, for all of you to grasp the information so that was the idea the other feedback was to make it a bit more racy pacy uh, and as usual peppered with humor so you will see that uh, the duration uh, of the podcast will also you know be tweaked a little bit so uh, without further ado uh, the theme for this month uh, is going to be india stack right and uh, before i let sheetal uh, kind of describe what we are going to cover within india stack i would uh, suggest all our listeners to check out uh, the website indiastack.org a lot of rich information is available uh, about the whole stack and it will kind of uh, introduce this whole uh, topic to you in a in a uh, you know inceptual kind of manner yeah over to you shital uh, thanks dilesh and uh, welcome everyone uh, it's a pleasure to be back and we are hoping that this season is going to be even more fun uh, like nilesh mentioned this this month's theme is a theme that honestly i think should excite everyone not just indians but even people overseas uh we are going to talk about the india stack and while the name bears uh india as a part of it i think the vision for india stack right is not really limited to any one country um it, it's i think as we speak in um there uidai and uh you know is also already working with um the world bank and un to replicate the aadhar infrastructure right and the aadhar architecture in other countries so honestly when it comes to democratization of um i think finance in that sense uh we seem to have taken like a really big leap uh through the india stack and um yes we've talked about the india stack the india stack so what is really the india stack and if i'm to really quote mr nilankani he speaks of the india stack as something which will enable digital transformation in this country at population scale and uh, remember that we have a population of 1.39 billion people today so here's a stack which is going to help us make sure that we are able to digitally create inclusion uh, and democratize a lot of the financial uh issues of this country through technology um the india stack really has three parts to it right it has 
the first layer, which is called the identity layer. And uh, in the identity layer, it's really about giving every resident a unique ID. And I'm sure all of us are aware that in, you know, Aadhaar, which is a, which is the identity layer of the India stack is the world's largest biometric database, right? With over a billion people uh, or, or a billion records, if I may call it that. So the first layer, therefore, is the identity layer. The second layer of the India stack is the payments layer, which means it allows anyone to pay anyone else. It is interoperable, it is fast, it is cheap, and it's not necessarily mobile phones driven, right? So it has a lot to do with mobile phones, but it is not necessarily mobile phone driven. And the last layer of the stack is really data empowerment and enabling secure sharing of data. Now, today what we're going to cover is really just the identity layer. And then in the next episode, we're going to cover the payments layer. And in the third episode, we're going to talk about data empowerment. And let me tell you that you must hear the third episode. Of course, you should hear all, but the third episode, because the plans that the government has with the entire data empowerment layer is extremely exciting and could really be uh, game changing in, in its own way. So Aadhaar has been game changing as far as identity is concerned. Digital payments, all of us today know that, you know, we're doing UPI, Beam, GPays. It has become so easy. None of us really has to run around to banks, etc. And then comes the data empowerment, which I think I'm super, super excited about. But I'm going to rein in my excitement and I'm going to give it to, to Nilesh. And Nilesh, you know, there is this interesting thing, right, that the government is, it's it's all about stacks and Therefore, I keep talking, recalling our conversations on blockchain, which you keep talking about as stacks. Is there any commonality between, uh, you know, the the India stack and maybe blockchain? There is. There is a lot of similarity, uh, Sheetal. And I think uh, uh, hats off to the architects of India stack. Uh, The approach is... uh, fantastic it it takes from the initial layered architecture was actually your osi seven layered network architecture right uh, then blockchain we talked about is a for me a four layered uh, architecture and india stack is three layered architecture the layering of our layered architecture essentially what it means is that though each and every layer is uh, independent but the development of the each layer has to happen in a certain order for the success of the other layer. So I could not have started with data empowerment without having uh, identity and payments layer, right? Hence the uh, hence these two kind of uh, came before the data empowerment uh, layer. Similarly, the payments layer, while independent, had to have the identity uh, layer nailed down. Uh, they they could have started parallelly. It's not uh, a must because payment is instrument driven uh, and uh, identity is behind the instrument. But it just makes sense if you have your identity stack well laid to have the payments right on that rail and then uh, you know uh, data empowerment right on top of it. So essentially, uh, the architecture is extremely sound. The uh, Aadhaar layer is essentially providing identity to everyone 
and then uh, from aadhar uh, you know we talked about ekyc and esign so essentially what you are doing is you are you are laying down uh, a lot of uh, regulatory requirements which will end up enabling a instrument which is the the payments instrument it, it drives off so uh, uh, i love the architecture i think it's a uh, it's a architecture uh, it is tested and it each other through various microservices and uh, apis uh, which we'll talk about later and uh, the other thing it does is that the uh, you know even the institutions uh, uh, both public and private can consume uh, and ride each layer based on their expertise right so so the so the state has taken over the or the government has taken over creation of the whole uh, layered architecture while businesses can ride each layer based on their requirements so in payments you will see there are like uh, uh, all the newbies are all uh, having you will see the same thing in upi as one of the core interfaces uh, right and uh, so on and so forth when it comes to data empowerment uh, so so that was my you know uh, uh, take on a layered architecture i think uh, uh, before we take uh, you know we are now in the new uh, structure that we designed so so let's take a pause here and uh, after this pause kind of end of section 1 uh, we will give it to samiran and uh, hopefully listen uh, about a new paradox from the i don't know whether it was randomly generated or not but but let's take a pause and come back uh, come back with the paradox see you soon well it was a mathematical decision i <laughs> promise you uh, so i don't know about randomness but math the math was involved <laughs> uh, so yes absolutely let's take a quick pause and come back with samiran telling us why do we need digital identities hi everyone uh, welcome to uh, the next segment in our india stack uh, digital identity podcast uh, identity is just so so fundamental to what we do in fact and it is of course so so misunderstood in fact so much so that you know when my uh, uh, mother told me that i could be anyone i wanted to be i did not realize that i amounted to Uh, identity theft because you know if i wanted to be anyone <laughs> i would essentially have to steal someone else's identity but uh, having said that uh, uh, people have known the importance of identity for from time immemorial and that's why uh, you know you had seals on wax and you had people carrying their own uh, you know family insignia on their rings and you know putting it on the wax seals just to prove who they are uh, to the other person in fact that is also the historical genesis of the military salute which is kind of that vertical one with the us forces uses that used to be used by uh, knights of yore to kind of identify themselves to each other where they used to actually lift their visor to kind of uh, uh, tell the other person who they are uh, in fact uh, the uh, but not surprisingly i think the whole world of uh, identity is also uh, full full of paradoxes in fact i came across some some really uh, crazy and complicated ones in this stanford uh, site uh, it's that plato.stanford.edu and one of the ones that, that kind of uh, kind of i remember is this whole thing around the holy trinity where you know it's the father son and the holy ghost uh, but at the same time there is just one god 
So, you know, how the hell do you, you know, resolve this whole identity? You know, is there one God? Are there three? Or are there 12 crore like they're in India? So, you know, all very, very complicated. Or is it all the father of gods and then the rest of the gods? <laughs> yeah, the father, the grandfather, and I don't know, and they're, they're, they're adopted children. Probably. You are <laughs> trading, trading in dangerous zones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I could just be, you know, against national interest and security. Right we, qui- <laughs> we will quickly apologize uh, if we've hurt anybody since. Sensibilities but and this is all to prove how important and great Aadhaar is actually because it solves all of these things. It tells you exactly who you are. So I'm still just waiting to discover how they've given it to all the gods. <laughs> and so, so Samiran, on on uh, you know when you said who who you are and Aadhaar kind of solves it, it brought me to a very simple thing that many of our listeners might be aware. But it 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 was. For me, when I first heard it, I felt it was the best way to describe uh, uh, identity and authentication, right? Which is one-factor authentication, two-factor authentication, and three-factor authentication, right? And first time I heard it blew my mind. I really loved it. So one-factor authentication essentially is what you know, right? So all across your Gmails and everything, password is what you know, and that is how you are identified. Uh, And then came two-factor authentication, which is now everywhere in India. And it's, it's a great thing. It gives a lot of comfort because two-factor authentication is what you have other than what you know. And what you have essentially in, in um, you know, 10 years back was a credit card. So that was a card present, not credit, credit, debit, any kind of card, a card present transaction, what you have. And today it is OTP. So two-factor authentication is you get OTP and that is what you have. So done very well by India and probably in payment stack, we'll touch upon it. I mean, it, it, it gives us that security of mind. But the ultimate level of security is three-factor authentication. And 3FA is actually who you are. And when you were talking of who you are and Aadhaar, it just came to my mind that, you know, uh, uh, with Aadhaar, honestly, and that is why I said this whole layered architecture, we are ready for 3FA. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll... Probably will be one of the countries who will see it, uh, uh, you know, earlier than later, uh, than many other even developed countries. So, so Samiran, I mean, you you were mentioning uh, something about kind of the the global landscape of uh, identity, and then maybe we'll jump into the design part, which was quite interesting. No, no, absolutely, and in fact, just before the good that you mentioned two FA is that you know, as as any of the listeners would realize is how unnerving it is sometimes when you're on international sites and you put in your credit card and it just goes through. We have so psychologically got used to this two-factor authentication where you get an OTP and put it in that, you know, it's just so unnerving when you go on international sites and your payment goes through without any information. So, you know, that's two-factor for you. Uh, on the area, on the issue of identity, you know, uh, the world has been struggling with identity for a uh, very, very long time. And in fact, if you look at kind of the whole uh, landscape of national identity globally, it's pretty much looks like the whole world has identity. But then you kind of, if you kind of start slicing it and look at countries with digital identity, uh, shockingly enough, the US drops off. So they don't have a digital identity. And then if you kind of bring that down further and look at countries with the digital, uh, digital identity with na- biometrics, then you are pretty much looking at parts of Africa, parts of uh, uh, South America, India, and few others. A large part of Europe doesn't have it. The US, of course, doesn't have it. Canada doesn't have it. So uh, it's it's something to be extremely proud about and something to be you know feel good about. Uh, in terms of the overall landscape, uh, we are kind of as a as a 
planet not doing too well because one in seven people doesn't have an identity even today uh, which which is a very very uh, shocking number in fact uh, even worse than that uh, is uh, i think about uh, half the uh, children below the age of 5 uh, don't have identity and i think there's about 600 million people below the age of 15 or something who don't have identity and by these numbers by themselves are shocking Uh, what it also leads to is this whole uh, thing of um, humans human trafficking slavery because these are unaccounted heads of population and nobody knows about them in fact a mckinsey study had also said that just the introduction of digital identity will push national gdps up by 3 to 5% by the year 2030 uh, that's the amount of impetus it can give you because what it means for individuals is the ability to buy sell do you know do commerce for companies it means less fraud uh, much more transparency in transactions so so there is a huge thing going for digital identity and i think just quickly coming back to india before i pass it on to you guys is that on the aadhar side i mean i was i was part of the aadhar you know i mean i would i would say the tiniest tiny cog in that wheel probably the, the briefest possible time but what i learned there is the importance of having inclusion and simplicity as design parameters which means they made it very easy to for you to be part of it and made it simple just simple examples i'll give you is that there was this huge debate about the name field that you know the world over you have first name middle name last name last name first name but in india that thing just completely goes from if you go from north to south it changes so in aadhar there is only a name field you can fill in whatever you want so no exclusion can happen because your name is weird same thing with address you know they didn't create fields based on predetermined uh, characteristics because in rural india it's different urban india in rural india as you will imagine is under a tree below behind the temple next to the sarpanch's house and all of that so you know they just made it a box so the whole principle was include everyone and keep it simple and then of course there was this whole thing about componentized microservices so that they test, tested every component for scale and then they test the whole part for scale so that any component which didn't work could be thrown out you know so which, which i think has a lot of ramifications for the future and i think the important thing to remember about aadhar is that i think the the founding designers knew that this thing will need to be redone and changed and it is going to fail from time to time so uh, as shital you mentioned it it was built for improvement so to speak correct um so you know um samiran it's very interesting um and the fact that they uh, made it simple for inclusion right because the entire philosophy be- behind the whole india stack and aadhar was inclusion it was the fact that uh you know it was digital identity which was going to democratize access to services and and that is beautiful for them to have simplified because when you simplify that it makes life much easier for everyone um having said that i also think that what is interesting and uh, nilesh we spoke about the layers but i think what is also interesting to mention is that the india stack is just a set of open protocols right it's open protocols it's an identity platform and it is policies so therefore it's really giving you a structure rather than you know making it so cumbersome that you cannot possibly build off or grow from uh, the 
the identity layer. So a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of uh, startups have actually leveraged the entire uh, architecture of Aadhaar to build products on it in order to solve for problems, right? So it's quite a fascinating piece because what they're doing now is they're not owning all of the innovation. They're saying, you can own the innovation, we will provide the infrastructure for you. And there are policies around it and there are protocols around it such that you cannot abuse it, uh, which I think is another very, very interesting aspect of it, right? Correct. I, I think I think what was heartening and uh, what Samiran mentioned, right, that uh, they had factored in uh, the failures, let's say, right, that things can go wrong, uh, and and uh, we will we'll look at it as and when uh, it happens. So so that part uh, uh, reminds me of the agile iterative development, right, which is fail fast uh, and and innovate at every step. So that is really heartening uh, that the India stack and the architects of India stack followed the modern software development methodologies. Same thing holds true for your whole uh, microservices uh, aspect, right? That uh, what you mentioned, Samiran. Like you create components, you create microservices, uh, you test them for scale, and then you put them all together uh, and, and, you know, have all those what we call abstract interfaces as an object-oriented programming, you will have various abstract interfaces which can be extended, which can be connected. So I think I think uh, architecturally, uh, the whole design uh, was extremely sound. And uh, the idea is that uh, I think a lot of uh, learnings of the past had gone into it. So I was just thinking the other day that there was a time when we we had just the Russian card, right? But then Russian card was never unique. I mean, your name wasn't your father's, uh, you know, parents' Russian card. And then when you married, it was like a whole gamut of things that you had to do to get another, uh, you know, Russian card. And for a very long time, it was your kind of one identity document but not really unique in any shape or form so so yeah the the design part was really interesting so just to interject you know speaking of ration cards um the ration card is a true reflection of our patriarchal society right the ration card is in the name of the male uh male of the household right and everybody else really is a how should I say, is just another member in the family. And the ration card is totally, totally designed on the Indian male patriarchy system, uh, which I think uh, Aadhaar has been able to break, right? And it's actually given women identities of their own. And I could go on and on about it, and I will at some point in time, but let's not take it up right now. Because it has, it has benefited women in ways that uh, I don't... Can it be better? Yes, but it has already started to benefit women in certain ways. Um, so I think that's an interesting thing about the the ration card versus Aadhaar, right? Because now an individual has an identity and not a family. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And in fact, Sheetal, uh, I think what might at this stage be interesting is that, you know, if you could just uh, give, a, give everyone a sense of the the scale of operations of Aadhaar and maybe there is something to draw parallel to because, you know, the numbers are so staggering and we kind of take these things for granted in India that, you know, anything we do is a billion, right? You know, so it's, it's, but we don't realize that, you know, populations of countries are like fractions of this. 
That's true. Um, so think about it that when um, they started the project and they were thinking about it in 2008, um, only 17% of India was banked, right? Prior to this whole Aadhaar and the EKYC and all of that. And in 2016, you still had only about 22 million people who were banked. Uh, and uh, there was, who were in the capital markets, if I may call it that. And it was tapering. And one of the key reasons why this was tapering was the fact that the cost of KYC was very, very high, right? In the absence, and think of it without the Aadhaar, KYC was all paperwork. Um, so I was... Uh, uh, I was listening to one of the chats and the, he says that a mutual fund distributor, for example, gets 0.5%. Okay. So, and the cost of KYC in those days was 1500 rupees. So in order to recover just the cost of KYC, the person would have to get you to give him a check of 3 lakhs. How many people would have issued checks of 3 lakhs, right, to get a mutual fund if the cost is so high? And I think that's what is interesting and that's the breakthrough that Aadhaar has been able to bring. I mean, our neobanks, etc. are now all just fully funneled because of uh, Aadhaar and the EKYC and the e-signatures. What is also interesting is that we've not done any linear work, right? And because of the simplicity that we did, uh, we've compressed so the, uh, we've compressed the cycle which was all expected to be a four decade long cycle. So had we gone the traditional route of onboarding people and giving them identities and all of that, it would have taken us about 46 years. Okay. We've compressed that and brought it down in the time that we have, which I think is an, is mind boggling how much information we've collected. Uh, just to give you a, a very, very strange parallel on this, right? Um, Facebook took about 11 years to get uh, 1.9 billion users or 2 billion users. 11 years. Okay. And we don't even know if these are unique users because I'm sure multiple people have multiple Facebook profiles and things like that. And some of it will be organizations and some will be individuals and all of that. But... It took them about 11 years, right? And it took Google, um, I think, about 15 years. Um, no, actually, Gmail uh, started in 1999 and it was in 2019 that they were able to get 1.5 billion active users. Okay, so that's a good 20 years that it has taken Gmail to kind of get a billion users. <laughs> so, so in terms of scale, I'll just give you an example here. So when, in terms of the design of Aadhaar again, right? So Aadhaar was designed with the expectation that a million people will enroll every day, a million a day, okay? Uh, and that's, and so it's like a million a day every day. So if you fall behind by a, listen, that adds to the next day, you know? So think about it. So a million a day is Finland in five days, it's Ukraine in 40 days. You know, and so, you know, so it's, it's just mind boggling. So if, if we ran Aadhaar in Finland, we would finish national identity in five days. You know, it's, it's, it's just crazy, you know, to just think about it. And, and on this whole fake account, so I don't know, maybe you guys uh, you know, have a better idea, but I came across this whole funny thing about Instagram and 
where they were talking about identity and how we our identity morphs in the virtual world and we try to be different people. So they have something called Rinsta accounts and Finsta accounts. So there are real Insta accounts and then there are fake Insta accounts. And the an individual has a Rinsta account and they have many Finsta accounts. So I mean, and so which kind of tells you that how many of these Facebook and Instagram accounts are like duplicates, so to speak. Yeah, and it's just going to get worse in the metaverse when we, uh, my favorite topic. Oh, yes, uh, of course. <laughs> it's just going to go crazy in the metaverse, right? All your Finsta accounts will just multiply. And that makes it so much more difficult for people to kind of keep track of it. So, uh, but having spoken about that, uh, Samira, and it would be, you know, it's interesting because there has been concerns around, um, you know, the security around uh, Aadhaar and things like that. And I think if you go to the the website, they give you options in, in ways that you can actually protect your Aadhaar and you don't have to issue Xeroxes of your Aadhaar and you don't have to give this, you know, the all the 12 digits of your Aadhaar in order to safeguard your interests, right? So if you think about it, it's really how do you strengthen the privacy and confidentiality uh, which is a big concern around Aadhaar and has been one of the big debates while everybody acknowledges that this is the largest, um, you know, database, there is concerns around it. So I know that the architects have been working on it. So you want to throw some light on that? Yes. Uh, so so I'll tell you what. So there is no going away from the fact that Aadhaar is a centralized identity system. And maybe that was the best way to do it when it was started, you know, and over a period of time, I think safeguards have been built. Uh, and uh, and I think this becomes especially relevant because I think there's been a lot of noise in the uh, media about this whole masking of ID, a press release coming out, it being taken back and whatever. So uh, there is general mudslinging on both sides. But net of it, I think, obviously there are issues, there could be issues with privacy, but other has some safeguards which individuals need to take in their own hand. One is you have the ability to lock your own biometric, which you can do on the other side. Number two, I think they have a whole concept of a virtual ID, which you can use as a pseudonym for your actual other number, which works for your KYC and all the other regular uses. And third, I think they have started giving you masked IDs on your the website. So those are the two or three things I think you can very, very easily do for you uh, yourself to protect yourself. Uh, and I think uh, I think that kind of then come back to the fundamental question is that if today we were to kind of redesign Aadhaar in the new, more decentralized world, what will we do next? And I think we'll kind of touch upon that as we come back in the next segment and Nilesh, we kind of take you through, you know, what would be a redesigned Aadhaar look like with the new knowledge that we have? So, so j just just to kind of summarize this uh, section two, I think we uh, we talked of two of the big five farmga, right? So Facebook, we said uh, eleven years uh, for one point nine, uh, Google uh, twenty years for one billion, and Aadhaar incidentally was five point five years for one billion, right? So, so uh, I think hands down we are beating the big five. Uh, I think in the next section, I think we'll do two things. One is I really want to hear, uh, you know, Sheetal mentioned something about the women uh, related metric of Aadhaar, which I, I'm, I'm really interested to understand. And definitely we'll, we'll talk about the possibilities uh, with with uh, the design of Aadhaar. So uh, we'll be back soon with the section three.
Okay, so we are back uh, with the final segment of our uh, first episode of season two. Uh, we ended on a note where, you know, Samiran asked a kind of open-ended question that what could be done differently if we did Aadhaar today? Uh, not not saying that uh, what Aadhaar does is uh, any way, you know, incorrect. It is built for scale. It is doing it perfectly uh, well. Uh, it has APIs, microservices. Uh, incidentally, it seems uh, the satisfaction with this, if I were to call it a product, and there was a survey for satisfaction with Aadhaar, uh, 92% of respondents said that they were satisfied or very satisfied with Aadhaar. And, and the sample size was, I think, uh, close to 200,000 plus people who were surveyed. So uh, as a product, it has been a successful product, undoubtedly. But if we had to do something differently, uh, with the knowledge we have today, uh, I would kind of bank upon my favorite topic, which is the decentralized identity, right? So if if I had to uh, kind of uh, think of the design, uh, rethink a design, it would be uh, ideally a decentralized identity. Now, when I said uh, decentralized, decentralized is, is a kind of umbrella term for distributed architecture. Uh, within decentralized, the ideal would be a distributed architecture, but there is another architecture which I think would suit India very well. And that is a federated architecture. A federated architecture would be one whereby there is a, there is a cluster of nodes connected to a node, and let's call it a federated server for a moment. And this federated server is connected to another server, and it has its own cluster. So it's like a hub and spoke and many hubs are connected to each other, right? And why I feel uh, this architecture is is uh, suitable for uh, probably the next generation of uh, identity solutions in India. The reason is that our our structure is federal, right? So we have we have center and then we have state. And uh, at least today, I mean, there are some things uh, and some improvements that will happen in uh, road uh, authority. But today, my license is essentially state right my my car is registered in a state uh, so so there are many things which happen at a at a state level uh, honestly while passport is central but you know i can't suddenly go to a completely different uh, you know entity to to get these kind of identities i have to go within the state so a federated structure would what essentially uh, be the right kind of architecture to connect all these digital IDs because slowly everything is becoming digital, right? So you you have your your uh, license, your passport. We will go to an era where each and every one of these documents, uh, which are in a way uh, identity-related documents, they'll all become digital. But the authority will be federated. And with this federated architecture, what happens is that you may replicate uh, the the things which are at a national level in all federated servers, while some things can remain, you know, at a federated server uh, level. So so uh, I I'll say it is my kind of uh, compromise between the ideal decentralized ID world and and a federated uh, kind of uh, ID. So I think the other the only the other thing I would like to add to this uh, uh, decentralized construct. Is the the other criticism that we have is this whole thing about data leakage and you know individual security, privacy, and all of that. So, in the centralized world, of course, you know you created it, passed it on. But in in the new world, if uh, we were to kind of build it today, I would kind of create a mechanism to 
turn on and turn off access by a public private key some kind of cryptography which would allow a person to control who has access to their id for what and probably to take this logic forward in a true web3 world that if i choose to sell my data and make money i should be able to do it if i choose not to i don't should not do it so and i think there is thinking in that direction but uh, i think the aadhar is a good platform to build on but i think this whole area of data privacy and individual liberty and civil liberties and all is going to become a topic of discussion so i think if i were to kind of redesign i would kind of look at that aspect so uh, i think that was our kind of bit on uh, possible design uh, of of the aadhar if it was done today or what would be the new uh, new aadhar uh, sheetal uh, you in the last uh, section you touched upon uh, women and how aadhar has empowered women and that is that was something very interesting i i never looked at it from that perspective uh, when we talked of ration card you very correctly mentioned it was always uh, you know the 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 karta of the house <laughs> whose whose name was uh, was essentially listed uh, so so would you would you give us some update on how aadhar has helped this women empowerment so um you know we've we've talked about the fact that the government one of the big uses of aadhar has been the direct subsidies piece right for the government um they have been now able to send direct subsidies into people's bank accounts and things like that and think about it um a couple of decades ago um there were very few women who had their own bank accounts both in urban and rural india rural india the practically had nothing that was one compounded with the fact that the women were not educated that made opening bank accounts going to the bank doing any work in the bank uh, was a challenge the third issue was the fact that their husbands were working in the cities and towns but the women were back in the villages and there was this entire transfer of funds money etc which was a big big challenge right so what is interesting and i think it's true for both urban uh, and rural to a large extent is the fact that for the first time um unlike a family identity right your any which ways women are either known as the daughter of the the wife of or the mother of right aadhar has enabled a woman to get her own identity uh even if it's a number uh while she'll still be known as the daughter of wife of mother of but she's now today has her own unique digital identity um so that's that's i think to a large extent empowering for a lot of women the second thing that has happened is because of aadhar uh, there has been uh, and there's enough and more research happening in the country to show that there is an increase in the banking use usage right with female heads of families opening accounts not the male heads because the male heads are living in other parts so the female heads in rural india are now opening up their bank accounts now this facilitates a whole bunch of things so for example earlier my driver used to always be worried about money order karne ka how will my money reach the house etc today it is so easy for him he deposits the money here there's a debit card and an identity and whatever with his wife and she goes and pulls the money out right now look at the facilitation that happens uh, because of uh, identity and because of all of that 
I think a big, big thing is also dignity and respect. And I remember when I was um, doing research in um, the Northeast, right? A lot, I met a couple of old women, right? And they said that earlier, the subsidies that the government was giving came through the postman. The postman would come and give you the do- dole out the cash to you. Now, if the woman was not at home, um, the money would get doled out to whoever was in the house. So the daughter-in-law, the daughter, the son-in-law, whoever was in the house. Today, and no guarantees that it went there for to the woman, right? They would use it, appropriate it, etc. Today, it goes directly into a bank account. And I had this woman who told me, you know, today I can afford to get a cup of chai for my daughter because the money is in my hands. And I think that's really beautiful because uh, the fact that she's receiving it into her bank account means she has control, not her drunkard husband, not her son, not anybody else. So my personal favorite actually is this uh, whole thing around allowing everybody to vote, you know, and I think they're experimenting with it. So it's linked to ID, though it's underlying maybe blockchain or whatever, but the so the numbers are staggering. They're like upwards of 200, 250 million people who don't vote in India because they are not in the place where they vote. They're registered to vote. So if you're thinking of this as a true democracy where everybody's opinion should be counted, that's 250 million people more who should be counted. And of course, and I don't again have to restress this, the, the number that 250 million is literally the population of the US, which is around 320 million. So, like, you know, so that's that's just crazy. So there's just tons of stuff that can kind of result out of it. And if, will there be bad things? Of course there will be. But I think this is just one of those things that the good far outweighs the bad. Absolutely. Totally agree with you there, Samiran. And, you know, that really brings us to the end of this episode which is the the first episode of the second season for Three Techies Banter. And uh, what a fantastic uh, start for us uh, to start with the India stack, right? A a moment where we all feel proud. Uh, In the next episode, we are going to cover digital payments and we are going to talk about the payments part of it. Um, I think that's going to be equally fascinating because there are things that India is doing which is at the forefront of what the world needs to be uh, looking at, even in the payment space. So do stay tuned in with us. Um, If you liked our banter, of course, please share this episode with your friends, family, peers, and everybody you know. Uh, If you can put it onto your social media, we'll be really, really grateful. Uh, Don't forget that you must follow the show. That will keep you updated on everything that's coming up. We are available on all major podcast platforms. Um, If you are on Apple Podcasts, um, and I think a lot of people now have started to get onto Apple Podcasts given the sale of Apple uh, products in India, please do leave a rating and review. It helps our podcast grow. Um, Till then, and till the next time, when we come back to you with Digital Payments. See you. 